Coming up next on Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Joe. You don't want to be stuck. It's a terrible place to be. You just feel like you can't get ahead. Your wheels are spinning. You're trying to get ahead, but you can't get ahead. And you throw up your arms and you say, I feel stuck and I'm frustrated because of it. Welcome to Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Gager, so happy that you have joined us today as we near the completion of our current series called Bullseye Living, Staying on Target with God. But what a great adventure in Scripture we have been on, exploring what it means to have faith, to trust, and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But maybe deep down, or not so deep down, your reaction is, look, John, I've heard all this before. I, I know this in my heart, but I just feel, well, stuck. Truthfully, that's how a lot of us feel, stuck in life. Maybe it's relational or financial. The wheels are spinning, but you're going nowhere. I get it. And and maybe you're spiritually stuck. Some of us have actually been physically stuck, unable to move, maybe panicking a little about what we need to do to get unstuck. Well, that's our theme today as we look at a man in the Bible who was also very stuck. From Mark chapter 10, here is Mark Job. On Moody Presents. I don't know if you've ever felt stuck in life. Stuck is a bad place to be because you feel like you want to make progress, but you can't. You feel like you can neither go forward nor backward. You're stuck. You're just at a standstill. Some of you may feel that way in your job. You're working at a job, you're working your hind end off. But because of the politics of your employment, employer or because of bigotry or favoritism or whatever it may be, you feel like I'm stuck in this position, I can't get ahead, I can't go forward, and you feel frustrated because you feel stuck. Uh, we've just come out of a pretty nasty winter here in Chicago, And maybe some of you got stuck in the snow. Anybody here get stuck in a driveway in the snow? Yeah. I was walking down the street and there was a mailman with his truck and he was stuck. And he was just spinning his wheels and he was all frustrated getting out of the truck. And so me and another guy started to push him out and we got all dirty because his wheels were spinning. And it took four of us to push this guy out. And he was very grateful because especially as a mailman, you don't want to be stuck. It's a terrible place to be. Maybe you find yourself in a relational situation where you feel stuck. Or maybe you find yourself in a financial situation where you feel stuck with payments that are overwhelming you. And you just feel like you can't get ahead. Your wheels are spinning. You're trying to get ahead. But you can't get ahead. And you throw up your arms and you say, I feel stuck and I'm frustrated because of it. This morning we're going to look at the story of a man who was stuck. But particularly, I want to talk to you this morning if you feel spiritually stuck. Because I believe at times in life we find ourselves in a spiritual predicament where we feel like we have few options, few doors of opportunity. We feel stuck and we're frustrated because of it. I believe that God does not want you ultimately stuck. Now you may be in a waiting room, 
And sometimes God has a waiting room for you. But if you're in a position where you're not moving forward spiritually, I believe today God wants you out of that. Amen? Mark chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading in verse 46. Now, this is leading up to the final days of Jesus here on earth. In fact, if you look at chapter 11, the very next story is about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and this is where we celebrate Palm Sunday. This is where the crowd was singing Hosanna, Hosanna, throwing palm branches and their coats in front of Jesus that was uh, going through prophetically Jerusalem on a donkey. And this is, this is the story right before Jesus' triumphal entry. Verse 46 of Mark chapter 10 says, Then Jesus came to Jericho. Now Jericho was a town that was about 15 miles away from Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to Jericho. Do you remember, uh, does that name Jericho ring a bell? Hundreds of years before Joshua had entered the land of Cana and had defeated Jericho with the going around uh, Jericho seven times, blowing the trumpets and the walls came down. That was old Jericho. It was in ruins. And they had built a new Jericho. Jesus was on his way out of Jericho on mission and this is the final public healing that's recorded before Jesus went to the cross. It's recorded in three of the Gospels and here's what we need to understand about the narratives that are found in the Gospels. Every story in Scripture is there for a reason. It's there for a reason because there's a lesson to be learned. There's a teaching that God has given us. Uh, there's a spiritual principle that can apply to us in the here and the now. And I believe the story of blind Bartimaeus is in, the, is in Scripture for you. I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning out of this story. God has a word for you. God has a lesson for you. If you're willing to open up your spiritual ears and hear what he has to say. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, his name means son of high honor. The word bar means son and Timaeus means high honor. Now in the Jewish culture, parents would name their children almost prophetically of what they thought they would be or become. Uh, you would name your child according to, and, and not always at birth, sometimes they would wait a while before they named their children, but the name of their child was indicative of what they were experiencing or what their child was to become. In fact, in the Old Testament, some people named their child bitterness or sorrow because they were in the mil middle of a lot of sorrow. How would you like to go around and say, my name is Bitterness. In Spanish, we do that as, as well sometimes, right? Desamparada. You ever heard that? 
My name is Socorro. You know, Socorro means help. You know, we have some interesting names in Spanish, right? Yeah. Um, I, I know several people whose names are Dolores. You know what that means? Pain. Hi, my name is Pains. Okay, well, you know, must, your mother must have had a real tough delivery when she named you, right? But in the Jewish culture, they would name people, they would name their children according to what they envisioned their children becoming. When this child was born, the father had named this child High Honor. And we read later in the passage that it seems that this child was born with sight, but somehow later on, because of the verbiage that's used when he says, I want to regain my sight, it seems to imply that Bartimaeus at one time had sight, but somehow had lost it down through the years. But I imagine that his parents thought when he was born that he would be someone that people would look up to in the future. Maybe the envision that he would be a, a, a governor of some sort or that he would be a community civic leader. Maybe they thought he would be a doctor that would cure people or that he would be uh, someone, a wealthy man in the community, a business owner. And they thought maybe that as he grew up that people would say, oh look, there's a man of high honor. They had dreams for him, visions of him having a place of authority. But now, years later, Bartimaeus was a beggar. Yeah, a beggar. There was no social security system. There was no modern day school of the blind where people are taught to use their skills and make a living on their own. If you were blind, you had one way of sustaining yourself. If your family couldn't sustain you, you had to go to the street put out your blanket and depend on the charity of other people. Now as people walk by, son of high honor, they had mercy and compassion on him. They would look at him and say, poor guy, here's a few coins. Uh, they would look at him and see his, the whites of his eyes and the blanket out and him saying, have mercy, please, a donation, please. And now his name had become almost a joke. High honor? No, not high honor. Poor guy. Low esteem. Living on rags. Off the mercy of other people. And this man, I can guarantee you, felt absolutely 100% stuck in life. I mean, after all, he didn't wish to be blind. He just encountered blindness. He didn't wish to be a beggar. He had dreams for his life, ambition for his life. But now he's found in a place where it seems like life has given him little options, few choices. And he's stuck in a destiny of defeat, stuck in a destiny of poverty. A destiny where it seems like life has dealt him a bad hand. Maybe some of you are here and you feel that way this morning. You feel like, I don't have any options, Pastor, in my life. I feel like I'm stuck. 
Maybe because of my decisions in life. Maybe because life just happened to me and bad things happened to me and I feel like I'm stuck. I can't go forward. It's not what I dreamed of being. It's not what I planned. It's not where I wanted to be. But it looks like my future and my destiny is pretty bleak. I feel like I don't have many options to move forward in life. And that's just where I am right now. And I love it because... In the midst of his despair, he hears that Jesus is coming through. Oh, I love that. Jesus is coming through town. You see, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Because I believe there's several things you need to know if you are stuck and breaking out of that place of being stuck in your journey towards change. But we'll get right to those points in just a minute. This is Moody Presents, and we're glad you're with us for the broadcast today. If you just joined us, Mark Job is walking us through the desperate situation of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. And if you'd like to hear this broadcast from the beginning or listen to any of our messages in our current series called Bullseye Living, just go to moodypresents.org. And while you're there, go ahead and click on the many other resources found at our website, all of which will help you take your next step with Jesus Christ. Again, that website is moodypresents.org. Let's get back now to our message and the first principle of getting unstuck here on Moody Presents. And write this principle down. First of all, you must not allow the people around you to discourage the intensity of your pursuit of God. Notice what happens. It says that Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, and a blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He wasn't just saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Now, in fact, this guy was so loud, so obnoxious, so intent, so convinced that he wanted to get Jesus' attention that it says in verse 48, the crowd around him started rebuking him. It says many rebuked him and told him, quiet. In fact, in the Greek, it means they commanded him be quiet. I mean, he had to be pretty loud in a big crowd for people to say, shut up, blind man. Be quiet. I'm trying to hear. I don't know. Have you ever been in a crowd of people, especially when there's a celebrity that people want to get their attention and someone is like an out-of-control fan? Have you ever been around that? Well, a few years ago, there was a family here in the church that got selected for extreme home makeover. Do you remember that? And, and they lived uh, near Mount Sinai. It was, a, it was a family that we knew, and I've known them for a long time. And they were selected for an extreme home makeover. And so many people from New Life helped out with the demo of the house. And they gutted the house and built really a 
almost a brand new house. Well, because my, my, my wife wanted to go there that day, I think she wanted to say, move that bus, okay? So reluctantly, I agreed to go out there. We knew the family, thought it would be a fun thing, and the kids were there. And so when we got there to this extreme home makeover, and the family was going to show up, and everybody was going to shout, move that bus, there he was, the host and celebrity of the show, Ty. You know, spiked hair, Ty. And so we're there in the crowd waiting for them to move that bus, and there was a few girls behind me that obviously were very infatuated with Ty. Because as soon as Ty walked out in front down the street, several of them started screaming and screeching and jumping up and down. Ty! Ty! In fact, one of them was really hysterical, and she was just flinging her arms. I can't believe it. It's Ty! And going, waving and Ty! And screaming, Ty! Here I am! Ty! Over here! I wanted to say, could you please be quiet? I mean, I'm going deaf in this ear because she was just like an out-of-control fan. Just making, I'm sure if she saw videos of herself later on, she'd be embarrassed about how out of control she was, but she really wanted to get the attention of this celebrity. That's probably a bit how people felt about the blind man. He was yelling the name of Jesus. Now he was calling him, the way he calls him gives us a little bit of indication of what he thought about Jesus, because he doesn't just say Jesus of Nazareth, he says Jesus, son of David. Now, why would he call him son of David? Well, here's the thing. If you were a part of the Jewish culture, you would know exactly what son of David meant, because the Messiah... It's predicted in the Old Testament that the Messiah would be of the lineage of King David. So therefore, when this blind man was saying, Jesus, son of David, what he was indicating is, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the chosen one. I believe in you. I'm over here. Now, here's what I want you to know and understand about Jesus. I love this about Jesus. And we see it not only in this account, but we see it a lot of accounts in Scripture, is that the thing about Jesus is that Jesus is never embarrassed by people that are seriously seeking Him. Never. In fact, the crowd was telling this man, be quiet. But Jesus took note of His intensity. What I love about Jesus is when there's a sincere heart that's serious about seeking Him, Remember the, the, the men that, that, that brought the paralytic to Jesus and made a hole in the roof? Jesus didn't say, hey, what are you doing to this roof? Jesus was pleased at their faith because they were sincere and seeking. Jesus is never embarrassed by people that are seriously, desperately, earnestly seeking Him. And sometimes people around you will try to calm you down. Sometimes people around you will try to make you feel like your intensity for the things of God are a little overboard. I don't know, maybe when you got serious about God, some people started talking to you and saying, you know, you're a little bit fanatic here, aren't you? I don't know if anybody here has been called a fanatic. If anybody here, your family member feels like, well, you're a little overboard. You're going to church again? I mean, weren't you there just last Sunday? 
Oh, you're one of the little holy roller people now, huh? Hey, what's going on with you? It's good that you believe in God, but aren't you getting like a little too into this God stuff? I mean, you're talking about it. It's on the radio. You're reading books. You're praying. It seems like you're really into this God thing. Maybe you need to cool it a little bit. Some people around you, when you say, I'm going to fast and pray, people will say, what, you're going to what? Don't you think you may starve to death? I mean, isn't that a little intense? Because there's some people around you, as you start getting serious about the things of God, some people around you that will try to discourage your earnest pursuit of God. In fact, there may be some people around you that when you really get sincere about things of God, they may be a little bit embarrassed by your passion and enthusiasm. Uh, they're not sure they want you to pray at the family meal because you may be a little too into it. Uh, they're not sure they want you to talk about spiritual things around the family because you seem a little bit extreme like you're really, really into it. They avoid the topic altogether. They want you to be calm. They don't want... Some of us are afraid of really intensely, with all of our heart, pursuing the heart of God. Can I tell you something, though? The Bible makes this clear all over Scripture. Jeremiah 29, 13 God says via the prophet, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You see, when you get serious about God, when you want God more than what you want food, when you want God more than you want to see American Idol, when you want God more than anything else, when you are serious about it, intent about it, when you really hunger for God and your heart desires God in a deep way, the Bible says that when you seek Him with all of your heart, that is when God responds. That's when God shows up. That's when God says, I finally found someone that really wants me. There's a lot of people that kind of want God a little bit, but they don't want God to make their life too uncomfortable. You know what makes us intense about our, seek, our, our seeking God? We all desperately need God. you know that? We all really need God, but we don't all know we really need God. Usually what makes us really know we need God is a crisis. It's a crisis. You see, every single person here needs God to live, to survive, to breathe. It's the mercy of God that keeps you alive, breathing, living. But here's what I want you to understand. That oftentimes it's crisis in our life that magnifies our need for God. We need Him as desperately now as we do in crisis, but crisis magnifies our need for Him. Bartimaeus was more intense than the rest of the crowd because he saw his need more. I'm wondering right now in your life how much you really think you need God. I mean, really. Oh, I know you want God. You're here. You're worshiping. I'm glad you came. But really, if you're honest with me, how much do you really need Him? His touch, His word, His life in you. 
You see, because if we're not careful, things are going well in life, we don't really know how much we need Him. Although we're all in desperate need of Him. But I believe that God shows up when people are seeking Him with all of their heart. In fact, I believe that some people really resist showing how much they need God, especially men. There are some people, some of you men that I've talked to, and you've told me, hey, I've had to walk out of that church. Why? Why did you walk out? Because I felt like I was going to start to cry, and I had to walk out because you don't want to show that God is working in your life. Some of us are afraid to show how much we really need God. But I love what Bartimaeus did. Bartimaeus, the more people told him to quiet down, the more people told him to not be so loud, not seek God so intensely, the more it fed his desire to seek God. And he called out louder and he, he pursued God the way he knew how to pursue God. He wasn't, he didn't care what people thought about him. His only desire was to get the attention. God shows up when you really desire him with all of your heart, just like with Bartimaeus. That's a good word from our teacher, Pastor Mark Job, on Moody Presents, but there's more to the story, and we'll continue with the second half of this message next time. Hey, a reminder that our website is available 24-7 if you want to hear this or any other Moody Presents message again. And please know that we'd love to connect with you by email and hear how this broadcast is ministering to you. Here's where to write, moodypresents at moody.edu. That's moodypresents at moody.edu. And thanks for praying for us and supporting this ministry financially, keeping this teaching coming your way. Again, our website is moodypresents.org. And I'm John Gager. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.